welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker joining me as much is happening around the NHL after a, I guess, a pretty good All-Star weekend. I can't say I watched any of it. Proudly, actually, I can say I did not watch any of it. Did you watch any of it? I watched like... You loser! No, just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I maybe loser. watched a good 10 to 15 minutes of it. Okay, uh, all right. All and right. when I say 10 to 15 minutes, I'm talking the skills competition. I didn't watch... Uh, any of the the three on three stuff? No, no. The next couldn't day. have even couldn't have even cared less about it. And I was just like, yeah, this is a good time to like take a little break from from uh, feeling like I have to watch hockey a lot, and I'll just I'll just do whatever I want with my with my kid and my wife, who's now thirty nine weeks pregnant. So you know, we're just kind of sitting around waiting for that. But um, snap, I just have no interest in the All Star game, and that's okay. I I don't mind. Like, I get it. Like, it's great for kids, and it's it's great probably to be there it would be pretty cool like i would if somebody said hey do you want to go to an all-star game there's no way i'd say no i'd I'd do everything that i could if if the ticket was free i wouldn't pay for the ticket (laughs) but if it was free i would go Uh, so here's a story i actually um got waitlisted once to go to an all-star game i'm sure i probably told you the story but um i don't think you have Okay. Okay. Fair. Well, anyways, uh, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, this might age me a little bit, but I'm sure you remember the good old Atlanta Thrashers. Um, so, no, tell me, is this an, is this a team oh, that was in the NHL? Yeah, they, they won like two games. Ah, um, okay. they had a couple players, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, when the all-star game was going to Atlanta, I can't even remember when it was. Um, but anyway, so I, I was, you know, a young kid didn't have a ton of money, but, um, you couldn't really buy tickets directly at the time. So I got waitlisted and, and then finally I get a call like a couple weeks later from, you know, a salesperson at, you know, the Atlanta Thrashers franchise. And they're basically like, Hey, um, you know, we see you've been, you were waitlisted and we want to offer you two tickets to the, the Atlanta, you know, the Atlanta all-star game, you know, would you be interested in purchasing those today? I'm like, absolutely. You know? And I, again, fully knowing that it's in Atlanta and I would sure. have to drive down there. But they're like, oh, but you have to buy three other home game tickets as well to go along uh, with that. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Like, I, what am I going to do? I live in Detroit. Do you realize who you're calling? Do you right, know where I'm from? Like, right. what am I going to do with these? That's, and this was before, like, StubHub and eBay were a big thing for, you know, resale yeah, tickets. Yeah, now, so. now it's not a big deal. Okay, whatever. I have to buy three other tickets. I'll just sell them. Right. Exactly. Well, so you almost went to an All-Star. This is the story about how you almost bought tickets to an All-Star game. Yeah, I will say though, if it ever comes to Detroit, which I'm kind of surprised it hasn't yet. I mean, it's coming arena. to Toronto. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> well, I just mean it's close. I don't want to yeah, go to but, Toronto. No, I don't want. I don't want to. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, if it comes to the Little Caesars Arena, yes. I will definitely try to buy tickets fun. for that. Okay, okay, we can go to that together yeah. if, if it comes. Yes, I just don't want to drive four and a half hours for an no. All Star game. No, I if guess I like. I would have been Maple Leafs game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, although I do have a lot of people to stay with, so accommodations are free. That's that's a good thing. But there we go. Uh, I'm anyways, going with you. <laughs> anyways, we uh, okay. We'll we'll digress on the All Star talk now that it's over. We can just pretend that it never happened, and um, the dunk tank is is just hopefully permanently in the you know in the tank. We don't have to see it again. <laughs> um, Bo Horvat signs a new deal with the New York Islanders, eight times eight point five. Dylan Cousins signs a new deal with a cap hit of $7.1 million over the course of eight years. He's got a no move, no trade clause in the last three years of that deal. And Dylan Strome, five times five with 
the Washington Capitals. So some some deals that have uh, have been made. Oh, and uh, Sonny Milano signs a three-year, $1.9 million cap hit with the Caps. So some decent deals going around, teams locking up guys. Uh, I, I think it looks like ahead of, of trade deadline time so that they know not just for this year, but for next year, how much you know they can take on or if they can't take any on at all. Uh, I think that it's a smart move by these teams. And before we jump into anything else, because we have talked about Bo Horvat basically every episode since December, uh, let's just do it again. And, and tell me your reaction to the Bo Horvat eight times eight and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, for one thing, I, I knew he wasn't going to get more than in Matthew Barzell, right? I think that was kind of a given. Um, however, I am a little shocked that it, it happened before he played a single game with an Islander sweater on. Um, you would think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Lou Lamorello, spending what he spent uh, in this deal, knew he was going to have to get him locked up long-term or else this would look like right. a complete disaster of a right. move. Um, however, I, I mean, I you know, I just, from a Bo Horvat standpoint, I figured, you know, he'd probably want to test the waters. This is going to be really his only opportunity in free agency and you got to think that a man for you know goal scoring centers right now especially 30 plus goals like he's he's put up right now you think you know his demand is high as ever so why not but i know the reaction uh you know i know from what i've heard uh you know with horvat's camp he basically had identified five teams he was going to be interested in going to in free agency and the islanders were one of them so i guess uh you know him and his wife are really interested in that new york lifestyle and Clearly, the Rangers just didn't have the cap space for him, so maybe that's why they weren't on that list. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. here's an interesting. I think that uh, I want to say that Matthew Barzell is from. He is from Vancouver, so at least I know he's from BC, right? So I wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, he's from BC, and Bo Horvat at least lives in BC for eight nine months out of the year. I wonder if there was some conversation there in passing. Yes, he is from uh, uh, Coquitlam, British Columbia. No idea where that is, but it's in British Columbia. I'm sure that it's somewhere near Vancouver because everyone out there lives near Vancouver. Uh, I wonder if that was like, dude, living in New York is amazing. Vancouver's cool, but you get to live in New York for most of the year, and then you just go back, go live wherever you want after that uh, for the you know in the summer. And I know. Horvat's from London, Ontario, originally, so I don't I don't know where he lives during the year, but uh, I wonder if that was a conversation between them because, shoot, I'm sure they know each other pretty well, and uh, now they're going to be playing together for the next eight years, which is I here here's what I I'm confused about. Vancouver made an offer to Bo Horvat, like I'm assuming it was eight times eight, and they just wouldn't go any higher. But why? Why weren't we willing to go to eight times 8.5? Does it really that big of a number to jump? Like, or was Vancouver offering like seven times eight? You know, I, I would love to know the details of that because it seems like this is a very reasonable number for Horvat. This is like, I would say on the lower end of what I would have expected him to sign for. So what was the problem uh, that that's what I'm a little confused about. He said he wanted to stay, but their offer wasn't good enough. So what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, so first off, when I when I hear that, I, again, I kind of go back to the, the the Delkovich deal. I remember when he got dealt to Detroit for a third rounder, and basically it was all over the matter of like you said, a half a million bucks, right? Yeah. Carolina just didn't want to go past three, and the Detroit I think went like three six something like that off the top of my head. 
And yeah, same situation, right? You wonder for a guy who's your captain, for a guy who's been nothing but, you know, just a consummate leader, uh, ambassador for your team, and just he's played for no other franchise. You think, yeah, okay, we can go up half a million bucks to make this guy happy. I mean, you know, especially when you're you're trying to sell a rebuild or a retool, whatever you want to call it these days, and you know, say, hey, Elias Pettersson, hey, Quinn Hughes, we're gonna keep Bo Horvat here, so at least there's a nice one-two punch because center is the hardest position to basically, you know, find qualified players, especially for, a guy who can score goals too. You know? Right, especially, and so you think that would help not only sell other players and free agency to come there, but also help guys who maybe have no trade clauses to say, you know what, hey, I'll go to Vancouver if I get to play with, you know, Elias Pettersson or if I get to play with Bo Horvat. I think those guys would be worth centering me, and I think I would succeed as a player. So, you know, as a guy, you know, as someone who just, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I think just looking at this, the only thing I could really think of is why maybe Bo Horvat was looking for more than $8.5 million with, uh, you know, Vancouver versus the Islanders is I would think that maybe his – his family had an influence on that. You you have to wonder if maybe his wife was like, you know what, I don't want to live in Vancouver. It's cold here all the time. It's you know, I mean, I think Vancouver is a beautiful city, but well, and it's um, also you're you're talking living on the West Coast, right? right? Now he's in New York. That's a hop, skip, and a jump to Toronto. It's a quick quick flight. Um, so family in Ontario, you can get back home a lot easier than you can uh, being in BC. Those oh, are absolutely. But and the the lifestyle in in New York is. I mean, it's it's great, right? I, I imagine that a lot of you know people in their mid twenties with a lot of money would probably love to sure, have that kind of sure. lifestyle. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure his wife and family were like, "Hey, let's let's go to New York. I'd love to be there." Or you know, like like a lot of players go to Miami, right, to, f- to play with the Florida Panthers because of lifestyle down there. I know that's why Bobrovsky wanted to go there, and um, you know, there was talks about other players wanting to go there too, just because the lifestyle is so desirable. Sure. Sure, absolutely. And that's uh, same with uh, Panarin. That was the same deal for him. Uh, yeah, I and I think that all of this now, now that it's settled, right? Like he signed, he's an Islander, and, and the Canucks have what they, they have in that deal. Uh, they're certainly going to be looking over, over the standings every now and then to see how far New York falls to see if they – are they going to get the first round pick this year? Are they going to, is it going to fall the next year? And then next year will be this big, like the Islanders can't be bad. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get a lottery pick kind of vibe. Uh, so that's, that's certainly something to, to keep an eye out on. Now, I think all of this has kind of created a scenario with Dylan Larkin and the Red Wings where uh, suddenly we know the number for Larkin. I, there's now no way Larkin's getting less than eight and a half. Not a chance, uh, because I think we put him and Horvat and Barzell to a certain extent in the same camp, and uh, I believe Emily, you said Emily Kaplan uh, reported that eight eight times eight from the Red Wings, and Dylan Larkin didn't take it. And as a Red Wings fan, what do you? Where are you at with this? Yeah, so let me. Are read you, you okay? What, well, <laughs> so I am a little concerned. That's that's what I'm going to say as a Red Wings fan because. Here's what I read from Emily Kaplan, and she basically said that Steve Eisenman has a price in mind that he's willing to pay, and it's not in line with some other number one centers in the league. Um, and he's sticking to that number, right? And so um, basically Larkin's camp is arguing that what does it cost to replace him? And, uh, you know, obviously now they're they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Eisenman's not willing to budge. And, um, you know, the, the one thing – and Emily Kaplan said the one thing I've consistently heard about Eisenman as a general manager is he works slow, he grinds it out, and – 
you know, the Islanders offered Bo 8.5 and now, you know, obviously they're going to have to, um, I guess, reconvene. You would, you would imagine now to, you know, to really come back. And I think Larkin now has an argument because I do think Larkin, you know, while he might not score the goals that Horvat does, but um, over the course of his career, the numbers are pretty much the same. And I think Larkin is a better faceoff man. I think he's a better two-way player. So, you know, for a guy who was born and raised basically right outside of Detroit and is a Michigan guy, and he's been the captain for, for his whole entire, you know, basically career since he came in there, it was known that he was going to be the next captain. There was no shocker there. Um, you know, I, 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 this is what I wonder about about this whole deal. Remember, he signed Stamkos to two different deals, a five-year deal worth $7.5 million. That was back in 2011. And then in 2016 in the summer, you know, everybody thought that maybe Stamkos would go to Toronto or New York and that he had all these options. And before it even, you know, before we even hit July 1, he signs that eight-year, $8.5 million deal. And I'm looking at that and I'm wondering, is, is Eiserman trying to to do this like he did when he was in Florida? Because this is really his first big negotiation. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, he signed Mantha to an RFA. Like, the biggest UFA he signed is Andrew Kopp, which I'm not going to, like, that's fine. That's a nice a nice deal, but Andrew Kopp is not Dylan Larkin. Uh, he's a second-line center at best, probably a third-line center on a really good team uh, who can play the power play, but... Is he treating this maybe like he did with Stamkos and being willing to go, well, just like, yeah, if you want to take it all the way to there, then we'll just kind of sit and here's our offer. And he's going to allow him to mull it over. And he's hoping that he'll sign that last minute deal and go, no, nah, I don't even need to test free agency. I'll just stay here. I'm, you're right. Yeah, I do think there is a bit of that, you know, being patient because. Listen, I'm sure Eiserman knows that Lurkin wants to stay here, right? He's He's been a hometown guy. He he wants to be the captain here. He wants to stay in Detroit. Uh, it's where he's from. It's where his, you know, his, his family is now. And um, there's really no reason for him to, to leave anywhere else other than money, right? And so... Um, and and you, when you consider I, I, Larkin's production, he's definitely... He's not maybe right at the same level as uh, as like... He's pretty similar to Barzell, but he's not a point per game guy. You know, he's he's close. Yeah, he's pretty close. He's to it, close. But yeah. Um, and but he's been a he's been a close to a point per game guy on bad teams, right? So where where he's been really leaned upon, he's given lots of opportunities. He's he's the one they're putting in the best situations every time. And I would say that on a really good team, you're probably going to share that with someone else. So what does that mean for his production? And I have to imagine that Eiserman is considering that. You know, well, what happens when we're really good and you are our second line center? You know, you'll still be our captain. You'll still be our guy. But like, maybe there's a, in order for us to win, we need a better, we need a number one center or two number one centers kind of thing. One A, one B. And given those scenarios where maybe he's not going to get every offensive opportunity in uh, those particular moments, what kind of production does he then put up then? You know, that, that would be, I guess, maybe a question mark that they're asking. And I think they would say, look, you've per- performed this way on bad teams, but you've never won. So th- I have to imagine that factors in, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and on the flip side, you have to also, you know, imagine that Larkin's camp is sitting there going, well, who are the free agent centers coming up that you can replace him with? Right. That it's Ryan O'Reilly true. and that's about it. Right. 
And do so, you want Ryan O'Reilly at this point? Probably, like, Ryan O'Reilly is not going to go and sign with Detroit unless he can't get anyone else to sign him. Right, and Ryan O'Reilly is basically, in my opinion, I think he's he's almost looking like Jonathan Taze, where he's a really good third-line center. Yes, that's, um, a great, you know, that's a great comp. A great yeah. comp, yeah. And so, you know, again, I, I don't think, you know, a guy like, you know, Jonathan Taves or, uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly are really going to put up anything more than, you know, 30, 40 points, I think, next year. And so, um, you know, with that in mind, Larkin's camp does have a little bit of leverage there. Now, I will say we, we found out today that uh, there was another, uh, you know, center that just got signed to a deal. And so maybe that gives a little bit more leverage to Steve Eiserman as well, because the number is significantly lower than what I'm hearing the $9 million that Larkin is looking for. And so, um, you know, right, but with, I mean, long story short, I do hope that uh, this doesn't really boil down to like a half million bucks, right? If you lose Larkin over half a million bucks, um, you know, that would be worrisome. And I, and I have heard too, Emily Kaplan did say that um, Eiserman wants to try to get it done before the deadline, because I think he will try to deal him if, you know, if sure. Larkin's not going to sign. Which makes sense. But, you know, I, I know you're talking about Dylan Cousins. And yeah, I mean, Cousins has had... Last year, he had 13 goals, 25 assists in 79 games. This year, he's got 43 points in 49 games. He's having a a better year. I mean, this is only his third full season in the league. So it's I think he's tracking right where you hope he will. But he is not at that Dylan Larkin stage where he's a UFA. You know, you're going to pay more. So I think that Larkin's camp would be looking at that going, look, he's just signed for 7.1 million. He hasn't. He's he's been in the league for two and a half years, basically, and he got that deal. And look what I've look at the production I put up, the consistency that I've provided, and the leadership that I provide at all times. Like, look at this and tell me I'm not worth twenty percent more than that guy, which would be eight and a half, I guess, would be about twenty percent uh, more than Cousins. So, uh, a nine to me isn't much of a stretch. But no, eight, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I would gladly give Larkin yeah. nine million bucks, but I think Eisenman wants to hold firm as much as he can at that eight million dollar point. So, and and I get like, okay, I mean, if he's asking for eight, and Larkin's camp's asking for nine, well, I have a really good idea. Go eight and a half, and everybody's probably a little upset, but not too much. Like, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, that's a small percentage of the cap. Uh, the five hundred thousand dollars—that's you know far less than a percentage, or you know less than a percentage point of the cap. I think you can figure that one out. Uh, now, I guess I'm I'm guessing maybe Eiserman's going, dude. If you want to win, um, and this comes out uh, after I believe it was Brad Marchand said the reason why we're so good is because everyone took cheap deals. We all we all are making less to be good, and. That's true. I mean, the Bruins don't have anybody other than McAvoy making nine and a half. The Bruins don't have anyone making over seven. So, I mean, it's uh, they're they're definitely in a position to win because of that. They can add pieces, and they've got they've got the cap space to do so, and that is why they're winning. But it's it's really like his. You know, it's easy. Marshawn when he signed that that deal, yeah. I mean. He took a little bit of a pay cut, right? Six point one two five in twenty seventeen. He probably could have gotten seven and a half. So he took a he took a, a good chunk, but uh, it's I don't know. It's it's hard to me to to tell like demand that people take a salary less. Like if you want the money, go for the money. And if you're not willing to to like to stay with a team because you want more money, well then just 
just tell me, you know, if I'm out, just tell me, hey, I want more money and I'm not going to budge. So trade me, you know, and if that's the case, then that's that is what it is. Um, it just seems like the way Larkin talks, he just wants to be a Red Wing. Yeah, I agree. But I will tell you, you mentioned Boston, right? And I can tell you, like, there's not a lot of teams up at the top tier of teams that I think are going to have a lot of money to pay a guy like Larkin would he become available except for a team like Boston. And um, boy, Boston would be get, a nice desti- destination for him, for sure. Yeah, if you're trying to get David Pasta re-signed, you know, I mean, that would be go a long way to say, hey, we got a long-term plan because we've got Larkin signed. So um, I mean, as I'll a Red Wings fan, I hate that, but uh, man. Oh, boy. But you look, you look out and you go, okay, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes could use another number one center. And Jordan Stahl, he's about to not be making six million bucks anymore. He'll probably re-sign with the Hurricanes, but for a far cheaper deal. And they have the cap space to boot next year. I wonder if Carolina would be a potential destination for a Larkin. Because they I, could I mean, be. They're, they're yeah. certainly you know they would be in the in the market, and they always seem to be in the market. Although, would they pay him the nine million? Probably not. So maybe that's a moot point. Yeah, they, they don't. They've they definitely don't. been a cheaper team yes. when it comes to yes. paying out contracts. Although I will say, I, I do think Carolina is probably going to swing for, um, I, I, like a, a top line winger, right? Somebody who can score goals. I think again, that's one thing they've they've been missing. And you know, uh, Pacioretty would have solved that problem, but you know that injury doesn't help now. Um, so he'll be, you know, lucky to. Ma- I don't know if he'll make it back for the playoffs or not. We'll see. But uh, so okay. So now that yeah. l- let's uh, let's just we'll play this game. Let's assume that Dylan Larkin is going to go bye bye. That he's uh, that he's gone, and they're going to trade him. Name your what are your what are the three places you think are most likely he gets traded? Traded. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if we're we're talking purely rental and not long term, no, we can talk uh, both. Okay, sure. Whatever. Okay, let's let's talk both. Okay. Well, I mean, again, I, I think Boston would be a destination. However, I will say the Red Wings will never trade in their own division. I just don't think that's realistic unless they get a King's Ransom. So um, yeah. I'm just going to scratch yeah. scratch that. Um, but again, too, uh, the other part about this is, is with that no trade clause, Larkin kind of controls the spate where he goes if he wants to get dealt. However, I don't think he's going to dick around Detroit when it comes to something like that. And he'll basically say, you know what, trade me to a playoff team. Right. And that'll work for me. Right. Um, so when I look at playoff teams or teams that are going to be like right there on the bubble, um, I would say one team that, that definitely comes to mind would be the Minnesota Wild. Um, I think they have the cap to squeeze them in this year, and I think they could uh, really use a top-line center. I think they've got some really fantastic wingers, and I could see him with Kaprizov uh, fitting in very nicely together. Um, yeah. A third team I could probably see would be the Nashville Predators. Um, I think they're going to make a swing for somebody, um, you know, again, whether or not they go for a, a winger or, you know, another center, I have no idea, but I think they're going to try to swing big on some sort of, uh, you know, top, top name player. And then of course, uh, probably a third destination. I'll just throw this out there. And I don't know if Red Wing fans would like this just given the, the history, but the abs would definitely abs, uh, yep. love to have Larkin play second line center for them. That was, uh, you know, it'll, it'd be interesting. Do you think, uh, do you think that Iserman would make it? I know Chris McFarland is now the GM of the abs, not Joe Sackick, but let's, I mean, it's Joe Sackick, uh, <laughs> Joe Sackick and Steve Iserman making a big deal together. That would be, that would be something that, uh, 1996 Iserman and Sackick would tell you they would never do. I wonder how deep those, uh, those feelings go, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they're okay. Colorado would certainly be a 
the team that needs him, like if they got him, all right, well, we're, we're looking at suddenly they're the favorites again to win the cup, I think. Uh, because then yeah, they replaced that, that what they lost in Kadri and uh, a couple other guys. Um, other destinations that I could see as being realistic as a as a rental, uh, you know, I want. I was I, I still think the Carolina Hurricanes, if they were willing to take on a rental, which they usually aren't, uh, he would he would be a good fit, and it's out of the division. I also it would require moving Zucker, but I could. I wonder if the Pittsburgh Penguins would be in on that. Mm. The Penguins look a whole lot different with Larkin in the lineup. If you can, you can slot. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can put Larkin on the wing if you want. And, or you could have him as your third center. I know they've got Jeff Carter there too, but I I think you could slide Larkin in all over the place. You could, you could move Malkin to the wing and, and open him up and, and take away some defensive responsibilities. I, I, th- I think one of those, like either the Capitals, which Iserman has done a deal, you know, tra- a, a big deal trading Mantha for uh, Verona. So there is that history together, too. I know the Capitals, they've got about $5 million in in cap space there. So they could do a short term uh, just for this year as a rental. And, you know, and, and it would probably work. But that would uh, that would be another location where you could go oh yeah if they you know then you're talking backstrom and kuznetsov and then you add larkin into that mix that's a that's a pretty suddenly you're a little more scared of the of the capitals especially since you know their goaltending's going pretty well and they're just kind of humming along like it's like they're just waiting for the playoffs and that's that's a dangerous team i think that's a that's one of the the sleeper teams in the eastern conference is the washington capitals I think come playoff time, they are a team I would not want to play first round. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I think if uh, you get a healthy Carlson back and maybe yep. they add another yes. piece uh, on the back that. end. We need yeah. that. Yeah. They could be real dangerous, especially with Darcy Kemper. I think uh, I think he's got something to prove this year and when it comes yep. to the playoffs, right? Because yep. he was with the Avs team, and I think they they kind of discounted what he contributed because of how good they were offensively up front. So, one, um, la- one last team yeah. for uh, – for Dylan Larkin, it's the Calgary Flames. Ooh. I think the Calgary Flames, if they're if they're in a position where they feel like they're you know they're still going to make the playoffs, which I think a team coached by Daryl Sutter, all he has to do is get in the playoffs, and you, that's a team you don't want to play. You know, that's sure. a team that can win any series against anyone because they will grind you into the ground, and it will be probably a boring series, but but they're they're there. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I could see, you know, if they add, they add him, then you're kind of replacing a little bit what you lost and it puts them in a better position offensively because then you've got, you're adding that, that spark. It's somebody who can actually drive a line, which they are missing outside of that top line. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know that they're looking to make a move. So I said, it, I mean, it's. Throwing Larkin out there now, it's it's an interesting market again, uh, because man, is he he'd be a very coveted piece. Uh, I I would like to say that hey, you know, Toronto go out and get a Larkin, but I don't see that happening. I don't. I, I think that he'd be a good fit, but I don't know that the Leafs would be willing to give up much, like as much as another team would be willing to do. Uh, plus, I think they they'll probably spend their resources on defense. Yeah, and you have to imagine with the Leafs, right? I think their price would be a little higher than most other teams, given the uh, 
I don't want to. I don't think call that it a rivalry, they, but yeah, but I don't know that that matters. If the Red Wings are going to miss the playoffs, I don't think it really matters. Like you, you don't, you wouldn't want to limit yourself. Plus, I mean, if if Larkin likes to live, you know, near the area, Toronto would be a great spot. If it was, hey, we'll just trade you to the Leafs, and look, your family can, you know, your family can easily make the drive. Blah blah blah. There would be that level of comfort of being somewhat close to home. I don't know how willing, you know, a lot of players just won't go to Canada. They won't go play there. And and with a no trade clause, that's very possible. I think a huge chunk of players with no trade clauses won't sign and won't go to any Canadian teams. They've got all seven Canadian teams on their no trade list. Sure. So So let me ask you, uh, as a Leafs fan, let me ask you, I mean, I imagine any kind of trade package uh, for for Dylan Larkin is is probably going to start with, you know, someone like, you know, Rasmus Sandin or, you know, Lilligren. No, you know, I, I mean, how willing are you? One. I don't think they would be willing to deal either one of them. You they're too important so? to their defense. No. They, okay. they, and they're they're playing together. Like, you don't want to break up something something that's going well. Um, well I, don't, I don't blame you. What about a William Nylander? Would you do like a, oh, a player-for-player no. player swap? No, absolutely not. <laughs> William Nylander is only one of the hottest players in the NHL this year. I know, I know. <laughs> and I think that he's, uh, I think he's 12th in fantasy points. Yeah, he's been killing right it now. For sure. He's been destroying for me. He's been wonderful, and he's and he's had a lot of multi goal games. So, you know, I log in and I go, "Oh shoot, Nylander put up thirty five points last night." You know, where then the average is like eight points a night for for a, a decent player, and going to putting thirty five points up in a night is oh, a wonderful thing when one player outscores the whole other team that you're playing. <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's nice. Um, anything else you want to you want to hit on? Well, let's let's talk about the uh, Dylan Cousins uh, yes. contract yeah. and maybe uh, just a quick reaction to that one, I guess. Well, you know, for for me, I like what Buffalo is doing because they you know they lock up Tage Thompson, they lock up Dylan Cousins, both to what Dylan Cousins or uh, Thompson's making forty two thousand eight hundred and fifty seven dollars more than Cousins each year. So. I guess that's their way of delineating who's number one and number two. I don't know. <laughs> but I I think both those deals, I, I think the Cousins one is going to be more, he's he's kind of, uh, he'll, he'll move into that, you know, eventually, maybe two or three years into that deal, you go, wow, that deal's a steal. I think right now it's, he's a, it's a little overpriced for Cousins, but not by much. Um, I just, you know, like, like, uh, Tage Thompson, you want to see him prove it. Well, Tage Thompson's proven it, so we'll see if like Cousins maybe next year you go. Well, that's a steal already, um, but I think it'll be a couple more years before it's an absolute steal for Cousins. But um, I like both those deals. I mean, you get you get your two best players signed for seven point one million dollars each. I mean, that's fantastic, and uh, and for the next yeah. eight years. Yeah, I think both these guys are going to look like well, Cousins deals only for seven years, but. Um... Oh, it was I mean, okay, yeah, but still, I mean, it, you got both these guys locked up for at least seven years, and I think, you know, moving forward with this this team, they're gonna they're gonna both look like steals. I think, you know, in the next year, um, I you know, Tage Thompson's deal, I already think, looks like a steal, but um, we're gonna be looking back at these deals. I think both of them and kind of looking like uh, I think Boston or Buffalo could be like the next Boston Bruins, where they they've got guys signed to you know, especially when the cap goes up here in, over the next couple of years. Um, you're going to look at both these deals, and I think you're going to be like, "Wow, this is this has got the making of like a Boston Bruins team, where they've just got guys under you know reasonable contracts that are you know taking a little bit less money uh, because they want to succeed, they want to win, right?" And I think right now, 
um, that's a, that's going to be a great thing because Jeff Skinner is taking too much money, you know, right, for, right. for what he's producing. And so, um, you know, at least over the next, you know, next four seasons, why Jeff Skinner, Skinner still signed, uh, these are going to look like bargains and, and really pay dividends. Now I will say Skinner has looked very good next to Tage Thompson. So maybe if you can get that same level of production over these last four years, this contract's going to look pretty decent. Yep. Um, yep. But, I you know, I mean, hey, you got Alex Tuck locked up for, you know, three more seasons after this, and you've got... Who's uh, been you know, fantastic, my, by the way. Yeah, he's been great. I think he's one of those heart and soul kind of players um, that's really just, you're going to, you know, look back at this guy and be like, you know what, he, he could be potential captain material for this team. Yeah. Um, you know, should Ocposo not re-sign? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... My guess is that Ocposo... <sighs> If I'm the Sabres, am I kind of trying to move on from Ocposo? I think I probably am at this point. I mean, if he's willing to take one or two million bucks, play a third, fourth line role for me, I, I'm okay with keeping him around. I think he's he's been fine, and I think what he brings in that locker room into that team, you know, besides Jeff Skinner and Ocposo, there's nobody over 30 years old on this team. So it's true, they're um, a very young team. Yeah, yeah. So I think you do need some of that leadership still, and. Uh, you know, you want to help guide those guys like, you know, Samuelson, Darlene, and, uh, you know, Tage Thompson and Cousins and point them in the right direction. So I think, you know, he's worth keeping around. But, um, you know, it's it's got to be for one or two million bucks, really. It's got to be for the bare minimum, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Um, I and, and plus, I mean, he's made so much more money than he ever should have <laughs> right. that he should feel pretty glad about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the Eastern Conference playoff race has suddenly heated up like none other. We finally have a playoff race after Christmas. Uh, for the first time in like three years, <laughs> I feel like uh, we have a multi-team playoff race. You've got the Pittsburgh Penguins at 57 points at and playing 49 games. They've got four games in hand on the Islanders who are tied with them at 47, uh, 57 points. One game in hand on the Sabres with 56 points. And again, four point four games in hand on the Panthers at fifty six points. So one point separates four teams. And I know Pittsburgh has played the fewest games out of those teams, but they also are the one team, I guess them and the Islanders, that they both have been kind of struggling in their last ten. I I'm wondering who do you have making the playoffs here? Who's gonna make it Ooh. coming in? And and also it 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 does it's worth stating the Washington Capitals who the Penguins have four games in hand on, have 60 points. So it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility to look at the Sabres and go, hey, you got to win two of your next three games and you're tied with the Capitals in points. So the Capitals are not safe either. Right, absolutely. And the thing I love best is I think the Islanders picked the right time to go after a guy like Bull Horvat because they're so close in those playoff standings that now they're going to put heat on all these other teams. And hopefully that equates to us getting to see a more – um, I guess exciting pre-trade deadline, um, you know, deal happened because right. I, I would assume that maybe Buffalo uh, might want to reward their younger guys and go out and make a move for somebody. Pittsburgh, they could definitely use somebody. Um, so yeah, maybe one of these other teams make a, another big move here pretty soon. But I'll tell you what, watching Florida last night, I um, I, I watched a you know about half of that game and just watched them put a thrashing on on Tampa Bay. And boy, if they can keep playing like that, and if uh, Borowski can you know steady himself in net. Uh, this is going to be a very exciting race. But to answer your question, if I had to pick two teams right now, I think I would probably pick – I think I would probably go with Buffalo to get in. Um, I really – I just – I don't know why. I just And they're really the like only team on this, uh, on this list that's over 500 away 
in the only team that's under 500 at home. <laughs> right. Um, I guess Washington is one game above 500 away, but um, in terms of those four teams that are kind of fighting for that bottom spot, Buffalo has been fantastic away from home. They, if they can figure it out at home, they're 11 and 13, 11, 13 and two at home. If you can bring that up a little bit, suddenly you're in a, you're in a great position to, uh, to strike here. And yeah, it seems as though they're peaking at the right time. Doesn't it? It really does. And you know what? That's, they give me the warm, fuzzy feelings. I mean, when I, when I look <laughs> at this team, I just, I just want them to, to succeed. I want them to play well. And I, I would love to see a time when we, when we have Buffalo, Toronto and Detroit all in the playoffs, because to me, that's just a trifecta rivalry that yeah. I, I would love to watch. Well, um, and Buffalo would play Boston in the first round. Uh, yeah, if they, if fun. they grab that last playoff spot and that, um, that has some, I believe the, uh, the classic May Day call. I believe it was the Boston Bruins that the Sabres beat in that series. Yeah, you might be right. And so Buffalo is a team, though, I think can still go out. Um, I would suspect them to make a play on a goaltender here. Um, so if they can get some a little bit better goaltending, um, you know, sh- shore up that defense a little bit, I think they've got enough skill up front with Tage Thompson and Cousins. Uh, they would be fun to watch in the playoffs. I don't think they would go very far, but I think they would just be fun to watch. Um, but second team, if I had to pick, um, boy, I, I haven't, I, obviously I haven't seen enough of Horvat and Barzell yet, uh, to pick the Islanders. So I'm going to keep them out. Uh, Washington, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in them. I, I agree with you though. I think if they get in they're scary, but with no John Carlson right now, and I think they're hurting, um, you know, all these other teams having played less games than them, I think I just, I'm going to discount them. Um, I'm going to probably put in Pittsburgh because I can never count out Crosby and Malkin <laughs> when they're, uh, when they're playing and once they get, you know, Tristan but you Jari can back, count healthy. out Ovechkin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. He just, he basically just sits there and, and sits at the top of the circle and scores. Right. I mean, he's still a heart and soul guy, but the rest of I'm that gonna team, let him I know think, you said that. please do. Um, you know, to me, I just, the rest of that team, I just don't have a lot of faith in uh, outside of, you know, outside of Ovechkin and, and Backstrom. I haven't seen yeah. enough of him yet coming back from injury yet. To- See, that's, that's why I'm, that's why a hey, Larkin would be a great fit because I think that he could, you know, ba- Backstrom may never be Backstrom, at least it, maybe not this season. You know, sure. it's, it's hard coming back in February or January, whenever you come back, it's hard to come back in the middle of a year, especially as an older guy. Like you just don't get that same, same timing back. Uh, because you're you're jumping into the middle of the season, you're jumping into a massive playoff race. That's a tough time to come back. And to add a guy like Larkin could really take the pressure off of Backstrom. Uh, I I've, I mean I know you don't want to see Larkin moved at all. You'd like to see him just resign. But boy, if he has to go somewhere, go play with Alex Ovechkin for a few minutes. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> um, well, yeah. For for my picks, I'm I think I'm sticking with Washington and Pittsburgh. Okay. I don't think they're. I don't think anyone's going to catch them. I think that Washington will keep themselves afloat. Uh, they're they're still scoring goals, and it's not as if they're, you know, they're not scoring goals the way they used to. But they can they can still win games. I think, and they're they're doing very well in regulation. I mean, twenty six of their twenty seven games won in regulation or overtime. Only one shootout win. Uh, same with Pittsburgh, only one shootout win there too. So I, I, I like the way that they're playing. I like that, um, you know, they're, they're getting it done in regulation. A lot of times I think that's important. And based off of what I've seen outside of injuries, they're still a really good team. So we'll see how long Carlson's actually out. I think it's another, what, another couple weeks probably that 
John Carlson's out. So that'll, the sooner you get him back, the better. Now, if he's out for a, a ridiculous amount of time, then you're in trouble. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was skating a week ago. So, I mean, he's, he didn't play, but he's, he's starting to skate, right? So, I mean, he's got to be close. I mean, he got hit in the face with the puck. That blows, but uh, it shouldn't, man, it's, it's tough. I mean, he got hit in the face in the puck with a puck in December. So obviously it's it's bad. Uh, you wouldn't just miss this much time if it wasn't really bad. But you got to think that those bones in his face will heal soon. I mean, it's been almost eight weeks. That's that's a pretty long amount of time to let those bones heal. So he maybe he comes back with a with a cage. Yeah, I know I, I so. would. After getting <laughs> yeah. hit in the face with a puck, I probably would have. I would have a cage on probably all the time. I think. Personally, I think that a full cage or a full visor is coming. I think in the next, uh, by 2030, I think it'll be a mandatory, like just wear the face mask or the, or a full visor. Uh, I think it's coming. They do it already at every other level and you get to the NHL and you get to take off the bottom part of your face. You might as well just keep it on there and keep your smile. That's what I say. Yeah, it, yeah, I can't disagree with you on that one, right? They do it everywhere else, and I, I, I mean, yeah, you honestly, grow up all, playing that way. It shouldn't be that bad, right? And I, I mean, honestly, all it's going to take is like a face injury to a big name player like Connor McDavid, and the league will change it instantly. Well, that's that's what I mean. John Carlson's a pretty big name player in that market, and he's a, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, and he's out because he got hit in the face with a puck. I mean, if he had a cage on, problem solved. It wouldn't have even been an issue. Probably wouldn't have even missed the rest of the game. I mean, it does yeah. suck to take a puck off that off that mask, no matter what. <laughs> it, it definitely your ears will be ringing for a couple of days, but you can put up with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been there. <laughs> yep. Not at eighty miles an hour, you know, ninety miles an hour, like some of these guys can shoot. But yeah, hey, I know. can shoot that fast. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, even no. you know, I can shoot, I can shoot like eighty. I'm, I'm on, my big, well, on my big clappers, I could I could hit eighty before. I mean, but. you can rip it. That's for sure. Um, I will say though, also too, like you got to imagine. Uh, for the full face mask, you know, guys getting checked into boards, those face injuries that, that can happen, you yes. know, broken cheekbones and stuff, man, that would, most of that would be avoided too. Yep. I, I mean, I'd be pushing for it as a, a, whenever that next CBA comes up, just say, Hey, we want new players coming in. Just keep the face mask. Well, you know, the, uh, the players association just hired, uh, you know, a new guy, yes. here, a new boss. Yes, they did. The Department of Labor's head guy from the Biden administration is coming in. So yeah, yeah, he uh, from what I read, Marty Marty Walsh. From what I read, he uh, he was also the mayor of Boston from 2014 to 2021. Yep. So uh, you know the Boston Bruins are going to get special attention. <laughs> uh, but he he was passed up for chief of staff for Biden, so he left. <laughs> oh, nice. That's what I I can't remember who it was. I think that was some someone on the Athletic. Uh, reported that so that's kind of interesting uh, but i feel like that's a way more fun position to be honest like yeah you could be chief of staff or a president i mean probably not too many jobs that have more more cred but well you're going to be doing it for like two years maybe less be, like guys don't let guys they don't have the same chief of staff the whole time like usually you leave so uh you got to think this job is going to be probably his until he doesn't want to do it anymore for, and and he'll he'll be the next guy on the next uh, the next negotiation, which I believe is up in what three years? I think we've got three years left in this one. 
till 2025, 26, I think is last year. Sounds about right. So he'll be working to, to work things for the players. And honestly, I feel like from a player standpoint and from an ownership standpoint to say, Hey, we'll, we'll let our guys, we'll make our guys have to wear face masks, like starting rookies. If you give us this, you know, and what owner is going to go, well, yeah, like, Hey, Washington, you lost a million and a half dollars paying a guy who can't play for you because he doesn't have to wear a face mask. That's a pretty, like a, a huge money saver, especially, I mean, guys are getting hurt all the time. You know, they're like injuries are definitely up because the game's so fast. And yeah. what better way to avoid some of these injuries than to just go, just wear something that protects your freaking face. You idiot. That's, <laughs> that's where I stand on that. Okay. Clearly Don Cherry doesn't, I think he would disagree with me. He would prefer Cherry, if all yeah. players didn't wear a helmet because they're, you know, wearing a helmet is not tough. <laughs> not tough enough. No. I don't mean to put words in grapes, mouth. But What's he do. doing now? Don Cherry, he's just on Twitter. Does I he have a podcast really or something? Is yeah, he on he does. Twitter? Does he actually tweet or is it just like his grandson tweeting under his pseudonym? Yeah, who knows? That's a good question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, any last thoughts before we uh, before we jet out of here? Uh, no, none whatsoever, except uh, just maybe next time we talk, you'll have a, a, a newborn. So. That, that is true. Yes, the due date is February the 15th, so it's very possible that... Uh, that we, you know, just, just if there's not a show for, a, for like a few extra days, forgive me. I just had a fucking child. So right. don't get mad. Don't tweet at us that, uh, you know, we're slacking. Although it does mean that we're slacking, but, um, it means that you're slacking. You've got to put out an episode by yourself. Mm, so I've got to pick up the slack. I got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or, you know, get, uh, get your, your wife, get her in there and you guys just talk about hockey and see what she knows. Yeah, she just figured out that there's three periods, not quarters. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's funny because my wife, like she's super college athlete, softball player, played field hockey and won all sorts of awards, but she does not really like to watch sports that much. She's like, nah, huh. I used to play it all the time. So I actually used to do it. I don't need to watch people play. Like, okay, well, thanks for shoving that in my ass, but (laughs) I'll just bend over now. Thank you. Uh, But yeah, I like to watch sports and she liked to play sports, but can't play sports right now. So because she's pregnant. Yeah. Not, not advisable to go play sports when you're that pregnant. It doesn't work out well. Yeah. You know, try playing, try playing, you know, maybe she'd be good at goalie. She's got an extra bump out there she could turn sideways and so she could uh be a curler she'd probably be pretty good at that curler. you don't have to do much you know when you're pregnant just slide the rock just slide right? the rock I mean. yeah <laughs> yeah it's easy it's easy to bend over at that stage oh. of the game easy. <laughs> all right well that's our show you can find us on twitter at ot hockey talk justin enjoy the rest of your evening to our listeners enjoy all the games coming up Uh, Whatever day it is that you're listening to this, we will be back very soon. We'll continue following all the trade deadline stuff as we lead up to that date in March. And uh, yeah, we're like a month out. So get your popcorn ready because it has already begun. We'll talk to you guys soon.